0: Well it is always great when we can have missionary family here and uh, as I've been dialoguing with many of our missionaries over the last months it's been quite a challenge especially for those that have been home uh, in the states uh, to, to have meetings. Many of the meetings have been canceled. I know Fred and Rachel have, have experienced some of that but we're so glad that we were able to make contact with them and they were able to make it here uh, for this weekend. Fred and Rachel We have partnered with them for 48 years. Isn't that amazing? Almost the life of our church. And uh, we've really appreciated it. And Fred and I and Rachel, we kind of have a Western New York connection. We've known each other for years and we've crossed paths and it's just been wonderful. Folks, we have in front of us today, a missionary couple who examples for us what it means to persevere and to be faithful for many, many years. And so we're grateful, Fred, Rachel, that we've had this partnership. Your kids are all serving there in Italy now. It's just been an amazing example to us of faithfulness. So God bless you as you come. We're going to see a video before Fred makes his way up. Jake? We thank the Lord for 50 years of ministry,
1: for God's call to Italy, for a family who loves and follows God, for the opportunity to share the gospel in TV and radio, for humble beginnings with believers willing to sacrifice all, for the birth and growth of a local Baptist church, for a church building bought and remodeled for God's promises for the future. Fifty years of preaching the word, beginning with the anchorman from Baptist Bible College of Pennsylvania, Clark Summit University. We first heard the challenge to serve God in Italy through a former Baptist missionary to Italy, Bill Fusco. But we were married and were candidates for Liberia when the call to Italy came loud and clear. I thank God for Rachel, who shared my call to ministry in Italy at this time. We thank God for our family, a family that loves God. Jonathan, born in 1975, is now a co-pastor of the church we founded. The Whitmans, Noah, Jonathan, Melody, and Ava. Jeremy, born in 1978, is now a deacon in the church. The Whitmans, Francesca, Sophia, Giacomo, and Jeremy. Joshua, born in 1980, is now starting a church at Emola. The Whitmans, Josh and Sarah, Rebecca, Samuel, Naomi, Abigail, and Benjamin. Elizabeth, born in 1983, now the wife of Daniel Ransom, who also pastors the church. Here she is with her future sister-in-law, Francesca. The Ransoms, Daniel, Elizabeth, Christina, Elisa, Mark, Sarah, and Anna. We started all alone in 1975. We preached the gospel in every possible way. Right when we began to get discouraged, God opened to us an incredible door a daily gospel program in television. Since February 1979, our program, The Bible Today, has aired an average of twice daily. That is nearly 30,000 telecasts. In 1980, God provided finances to start Radio Luce. On June 30th, 2019, we were forced to close partially due to the lack of $3,000 a month support. We praise God for many people who came to know Christ through Radio Luce in these nearly 40 years. Nearly half of our church came that way. After 10 years of ministry, we had our first two baptisms, one of which was Jonathan. Our children very early served in church with the music, Little by little, the church grew, and after 33 years, our hall of 950 square feet was just too small. In 2004, our 20 members voted to buy a corner lot of 45,000 square feet with this 9,000 square feet building for $500,000. Miraculously, my bank offered us a $400,000 loan and many of God's people sent in gifts which enabled us to go forward by faith. Many brothers, Italian and foreign, came together to make a wonderful place of worship out of a sweater factory. On January 31st, 2020, we made our last payment. Now that we have a lovely church building, we need to build up the Church of the Saints in number and in maturity. In service for God's glory. We desire to be an army of God's servants that presses on in holiness and service. The preaching of the word takes preeminence. There are many ways to grow and serve, but we must start with worship, Bible study, and prayer. We serve through our ministries, our Sunday school ministry presenting the gospel to these littles one by one and together. Growing and maturing in their faith. Then there's our summer day count ministry. These are our most important investments for the future of our church. The Theological Academy is also of utmost importance in training our men for future ministry. The prison ministry currently in two prisons is demanding but very rewarding. Three people have been trained to carry on in my absence. I will continue to help in my retirement. Our ministry to the elderly is also important. There are always shut-ins that need to be visited. We have an active hospital visitation ministry. We also have a soccer outreach ministry. And our latest ministry group plans for a new church in our province. This project is currently on hold as the church and pastor consider my status as pastor emeritus. We are committed to build a strong local church from which to branch out as the Lord leads in the future. Each person is a trophy of God's grace. Our congregation is half Italian and half from 15 nations of the world. With God's help, we will carry on until the Lord's return. Jesus may come today. Are you ready? Greetings from the next generation of missionaries to Italy. Thank you for your support. It is always a great emotion for me to be back at Heritage. I see so many faces I recognize, some of them with gray hair now. I remember Roger, as a junior high, helped me doing work at the campus on the grounds. (laughs) Um, It's just great to be back. And God has been so good to us. This has been a very strange furlough, our 10th furlough, our 10th. And, you know, a furlough, you plan it for a year ahead of time. Get everything lined up, and then... um, we left Italy on February 26, just before they shut down Italy. Went to the West Coast, had some meetings out there. Um, when I was there, I had a conversation with Dr. MacArthur, and he said to me, Fred, remember una cosa? Excuse the Italian. He didn't say that. I did. Uh, <laughs> he said, remember something. Between you and me, the word retirement does not exist. And I said, amen, brother. So we left California to go to New York to get our car, and they shut down California. We got our car in New York, drove to Ohio. They shut down New York. <laughs> we got into Ohio, had one weekend of special meetings, a missionary conference, and then we were quarantined for 50 days with a family out there. Just be careful when you invite the Whitmans for a weekend, <laughs> you never know it's going to happen. But God has been good. Uh, I have to say it's our first furlough that I ever really had rest. So much rest I was going crazy. <laughs> but uh, we praise God. Now we have two months left and Lord willing on the 5th of um, November we'll fly back to Italy and do our two weeks quarantine when we get there and get back into the ministry. But we praise God uh, for his goodness, his faithfulness. I do want to just call your attention to the um, table out here. I know we can't congregate, but uh, a little at a time stop by and pick up our new and I have to say our last prayer card. This is the last one, okay? Some of you have had about ten of them. Um, It's already going to be outdated in a couple months because on the back are families and Jeremy and Francesca are expecting a little baby boy any moment. And then uh, John, um, Daniel and Elizabeth, another little baby boy, uh, due to be born in the first part of November. So this will help you remember us. And if any of you have not seen a book I wrote, um, I have a few copies left on the table for a free will gift. Um, His story in Italy just tells the story of what God has done. I, I had a series of mini strokes in 2009, and I thought, well, I mean, I couldn't speak at the time, I thought, well, if I'm going to leave something for people to read about what God has done, I better start writing it down right now. So we did that, and it's been a blessing to many people. And if you'd be interested, we have a few copies on the table. And also, if you do not receive our email updates, uh, there's a place where you can sign your name and email. And I always say, emails are something like God's word. I don't want to be blessed with this. But God said not one jot or tittle would would disappear from the law before it was all established. And on Mondays, when we try to write down these emails, if I put down a jot for a tittle, or I say, is that an L, or is that a one? or a, If I get it wrong, you will not get an email. Okay, so just write down very clearly, uh, and we'll be keeping track. Um, I'm sorry some of the folks are not here this weekend, We also are planning another Italian Christian history tour in 2022, Lord willing, October, something we started with Dr. Carter way back last century. Uh, If you might be interested, you'll hear about that if you sign up for the email updates. I would like to just have you open your Bibles with me this morning to Jeremiah 1. And as I was reflecting uh, on our furlough, the Lord placed this passage before me. Wonderful story, the prophet Jeremiah, you know, his name means establish Yah, or establish Yahweh. And that's certainly what we're called to do, wherever we go, declare his name. And, uh, you know, he was a son of a priest, and I couldn't help but think of my own life, and so thankful my dad was a pastor for 52 years, and I had the privilege of, enjoying, of growing up in a pastor's home, telling the Lord I'll do anything but be a pastor, believe me. Um, but God uh, used that in my life. And Jeremiah, a great example of faith, he was, the people were so thankful for his message <laughs> that they threw him in a pit, in a well, there wasn't any water about a lot of mud and he was sinking down in that mud and thanks to evan melek uh, a uh, slave who organized his bringing up he was able to then continue on in his ministry and i think so many times in god's service we have found ourselves that we felt like we were in a deep pit discouragement but we're so thankful for people like you who prayed for us continually and uplifted us before the Lord, and he brought us out and carried us forward for his glory. So I'd like to read from Jeremiah 1, starting in verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations, and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Heavenly Father, we ask in these moments together as we open your word, your spirit would guide us and teach us, instruct us, challenge us for the ministry that is ours for your glory. In Christ our Savior's name we pray, amen. I'd like to talk to you this morning about God's call. God's call. First of all, we see that God's call is entirely by grace. It's interesting in the life of Jeremiah, which we can certainly scripturally see in each of our lives as well as, as believers. The Lord says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Remember When our kids were small, they used to say, Daddy, where was I before I was born? And I'd say, you are in the mind of God. It reminds me of the Daddy, one day his little boy came up and said, Daddy, where did I come from? And he said, oh boy. So he went through and explained the whole situation, how where he came from. And the little boy was a little perplexed. He said, well, I just wonder because Johnny next door says he's from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's wonderful to know that we are not here by error by, by mistake. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. And I cannot help but think of the tragic, terrible situation that our country is in right now. We're one of the major parties in this election. One of their major points is killing babies up to the birth time or if they should happen to survive an abortion attempt to kill them on the table. And we know that God has a plan for every birth, every child, and how important it is that we, as God's children, are willing to stand up for the unborn. Before you were even born, I consecrated you. Jeremiah was set aside. Isn't it wonderful to know as God's children, and this we can't understand, before we know him. But isn't it wonderful to know that we were chosen in him before the foundations of the world? That was a long time before we were conceived. And God had a plan for us, as he did for Jeremiah. I appointed you a prophet. And this word appoint means I gave you. I gave you as a prophet. And to think that each of us as God's children have a ministry, something God gave us to the church so that we could accomplish for his glory. I gave you a prophet, and think of the the many, many Christians, sadly enough, who go through their life as followers of Jesus, never really discovering what was that purpose. Why did God save me for His glory, so I wouldn't go to hell? But there, there was something special I was to do for His glory in my life, and how important it is to find that out. Well. God's call is by grace, so before conception. He didn't look down and say, oh, this looks like a good guy. I'll choose him, and he'll be my servant. No, by, totally by God's grace. And as inadequate as we are, and it's right that we feel that way, if you feel you're God's gift to the church, you're not. <laughs> I can't help but think of so many guys that I was even in school with who kind of came across that, I, that they were the God's gift to the church, and some of them haven't finished very well. We're, we are called by God's grace, not by anything in ourself. It's interesting, Jeremiah's response, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a youth. Does that remind you of Moses? He said, God, I can't even speak. And the Lord says, I got your brother. I'll send him along with you. He'll take care of it for me. In our weaknesses, the Lord can be built up and glorified. As I think back on our life of service for the Lord, we just praise God. Times we would go to that little storefront, and it was my wife, my children, a couple ladies, and just cry out to God, How are we going to reach out to this area? How are we going to reach these people for god's glory but we know that the work is the lord's and in our weakness as paul says he can be glorified in our weakness Ah, lord god because i do not know how to speak so god's call is in spite of our weaknesses god doesn't look down and find somebody really sharp he says "Eh, that person there he'd be good no he takes the people that are so far away to bring them to Himself, to, so that He can be glorified as they become great servants. We have so many examples of it in Scripture. Think of the Apostle Paul, for one. But God could take us from the farthest that we are from Him, and call us by His grace and use us for His glory. So God's call is by grace, and it's good that we never forget that. Then, in verses six to eight, we see that God's call is a call that demands our obedience. When God calls us to serve him, he doesn't say, well, here's a multiple choice. What would you like to do? Like they used to say, I was never I was in military service because I was 4D during Vietnam here at BBC, but um, they used to say, well, choose the three places you'd like to be sent, and one, two, and three, And if you were lucky, they would give you number three, or they would never give you one or two, just send you someplace. Well, God doesn't give us that multiple choice. He calls us. Our choice is obedience or disobedience. I just say to my kids, slow obedience is disobedience. And it's good that we learn how to obey immediately. So God's call demands our obedience. In our weakness. We said, Lord, I can't do this. He says, I know. I will do it through you. I will be glorified through you. In our weakness. In our sense of being inadequate to the task that we need to cry out to God daily asking him for help. Uh, I've had so many wonderful experiences in Italy in debating uh, Catholic priests on television. And I never went into those things thinking, well, I'm ready to go. I went into those things like uh, Nehemiah, the cupbearer. <laughs> Lord, help me. Lord, help me. But when we rely on God's direction, he can lead and be glorified. Interesting, Jeremiah at this point says, I am only a youth. And how many times we would use this for an excuse? I can't use that anymore, but uh, I'm still, I consider myself to be a junior missionary. In fact, when when that mission told me um, on my 70th birthday that I was gonna have to retire, um, I said, well, how do I explain to guys that I play soccer with every week that I have to retire? (laughs) How do I do that? But God's, in our weakness, he can be glorified. So many times, young people are hesitant to step up. And we need to encourage them. We need to encourage them. We were in church last week, and I looked at rows of young people. I almost broke down and cried. It was so thrilling. And the challenge for us older ones is to get the young kids involved, serving God. Let them taste how wonderful it is to serve God. It's not a drudgery, it's not difficult, it's not a pain in the neck. It's a joy to serve Jesus. And we need to find ways to involve them and instruct them and lead them and disciple them in this as well. I'm only a youth. Paul said to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be you an example of faith And our young people, they need to be examples of faith to us. They haven't faced some of the bitter, terrible things we have faced, and they can look and say, no, I know God's gonna do this for me. Be examples of faith, and we need to encourage them in that. I think when we started the church in Italy, it was such a daunting project. How could it ever happen? But it's easy now as we look back and see what God has done for his glory. In our fear, in our fear, fear of of failure. So many times people are afraid to step out for God. People say, well, why should I go all through deputation and get to the field, language study, if I'm just gonna quit like so many other people do? Do you believe that? Italy is the graveyard of missionaries. Most missionaries don't last more than one term in Italy. And it's terrible because you get looking at it yourself. You're not getting what you wanted to get done. You got more things that you want to do. And instead of just looking say, God, you brought me here. And in our, our lives, one verse that challenged us, occupy till I come. I don't know what my job's going to be in the future. I thought maybe someday I'd teach at BBC. That never happened. Occupy till I come and we need to learn to be faithful in doing what God has called us to do and Let him bring the results In our fears of failure just go forward for God But when we lack in faith when we have fear and we don't step out, that is sin that is sin that is not trusting God for what he has promised to do. He has promised to be glorified through our lives if we serve him with faithfulness. Think about Italy. One half of one percent would call themselves evangelical. I challenge you to find another country in the world where it's that like that. We think of work among Muslims in different places around the world, and you find growing national churches underground, suffering. But God's word is spreading. In Italy, it is incredible how this country has been overlooked by evangelical missions. Church planning is tough. I went to Italy. I thought, yeah, I'll start a church here first term, and we'll go over there and start another church, and... Here we are, 10 terms down the way, still just finishing up, praise the Lord, finishing up a church plan. A church that in Italy would be considered a mega church. when we have 100, before COVID, 120 people coming to church on Sunday. But God is good. But God's call demands our obedience. We need to be willing to step out. And I think in this church, there are so many jobs. And if Heritage is like every other church I visited, <laughs> about 10% of the members do 90% of the work. And I just, if, if today somebody come up to the pastors and say, is there a job? Could I do something here in the church? How could I serve? I think after they picked themselves up off the floor, they said, well, let's think about that. Let's pray about that. How could you serve God? We need to be involved because God's call demands our obedience. God did not save us to put us on the hammock with an iced tea and enjoy our Christian life. Um, He saved us to serve. And then finally, God's call demands or guarantees our equipment. If God calls you to do something, you can't say, well, I can't do that. And I mean, we've asked people to help out with the ch- children's and say, well, that's not my uh, strong thing. I, have, I sympathize with you. I have to say, I, I was in church. I had a great experience for one week of teaching church history to adults. 20 hours, it was awesome. I loved it, it was fantastic. The following week, I had to teach Jonah to juniors in DVBS. <laughs> it was not my f- strong point. But God gave grace. We need to be willing to serve. Where is there need? Where can I help? Oh, I can't do that. Why can't you do that? Well, I don't like working with kids. No. We need to f- be challenged to get out of that safety box where we feel so safe and just serve God. Because God guarantees he will equip us for what we need to do. First of all, he says to Jeremiah, i will put my words in your mouth i have put my words in your mouth. first of all we're going with god's word god's word it'd be great to have a bible education agree and christian christian education it'd be great and if god helps you do that praise god but sometimes you just need to have god's word i have a guy who was saved with my tv ministry he's out now he was only in for a few years for drug dealing he got saved He has no training. Every day, every evening, he's on Facebook reading the Gospels. He's just so burdened for other people to hear about Jesus. And we need people like that. I don't know much, but what I know I want to share. I want to share. I have the word of God. What more do we need? I put my word in your mouth. And then he says, I've set you this day over nations. The Lord will provide a means of, of reaching out. He will give you an audience. It may be your family that doesn't know Christ. It may be a co-worker that doesn't know Christ. It may be somewhere around the world where they're living in false hope and a false religion. But we have God's word, and God will help us share it. So we have God's word. His plan is to go is to go. Go with the word. Interesting here. Kind of negative. He says to pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow. He says, That's not very evangelistic. Well, it's pre-evangelistic and it's very important. Believe me, when you live in a culture like we do, where there's a little idol on every street corner, where people go and pray before these idols that cry demonically Cry or speak. You have to be willing to say, "Look, this is not in God's word. This is against what God's words teach us." You have to be willing to say, "You know, you've been you've been living together now for five years, and you're not married. You think that glorifies God? There's just a lot of issues when you talk to people about Christ. You need to be upfront in love. Tear down, break down. You know, when a farmer goes to the field." First he has to plow, and then he has to pick rocks and get all the garbage out of there. And then when he's done all, all that work, he could finally plant. And you know where God's word is. I love John 3.16, but you know, you can't just walk around quoting John 3.16. You need to deal with problems in people's lives to help them see their need of Christ in their life. To break down, destroy, and then to build and plant. And that is what we do, but God does it through us. You know, one sows, another waters, but God gives it increase. And if we can look back and see uh, see what God has done in our life, we just praise him because it certainly wasn't because we were so great. We made many mistakes. But few missionaries in the world have the privilege of having all of their children and nearly 16 grandchildren on the mission field and serving God together in whatever way or another. God has been so good. I want to share with you one real quick uh, story with you in closing. One of the many, many blessings God has given us I go to prison twice a week. It's not like I have to go in there to sign for the police, but I have my own card. I go, and I, the gate opens. I go in, and, and then I go through between 8 and 10, or 10 and 12, lock and keys, where the guards have to let me in. And I go in there and administer with men. Many, many lifers. Uh, many people will never see the light of day outside. One of these men, his name is Davide. He, w- he grew up in an evangelical church. And uh, when he was about 12, he said to his mother, I'm not going back. You're a bunch of hypocrites. Don't tell me anything about it. Don't pray for me. And he went out into a life of sin, got involved in the Naples area, which we, we call the mafia is in Sicily. The Camorra is in Naples. Got involved and became a hitman for the Camorra. Killed numbers of people, at least 50. His last crime, there was a group of African drug dealers in their area, and they warned them, this is our territory, get out of here. Uh, They stayed there, they were selling drugs. So one night he went with some other men. They shot seven of them. There were eight men in the gang, but one of them was absent that night. Shot him dead. Well, he's in prison doing three life sentences. Well, after a short time in prison, he came to the end of himself, truly got saved, called his family in to explain that he'd gotten saved. And you can imagine the joy in a mother's heart who's been praying for a way son for so long. And he wanted to be a witness for the Lord. Well, he would go to the cafeteria, dining hall there in the prison. He'd get his meal, sit, pray, and then eat. one day he was praying, and he opened his eyes, and looked across the dining hall, and he saw an African man praying. And he ran over and said, oh, are you a Christian too? Yeah, when did you get saved? They got talking, and how, why are you here, and so on. Well, I've been here for drugs. Oh, really? Come to find out, that man was number eight. He was supposed to kill him that night, but he wasn't there. God saved his life. And now they are the closest of brothers, an African and Italian. I call them salt and pepper. They just, (laughs) they love each other and love the Lord, and they're just a great witness for the Lord. And this is just one tiny, tiny blessing God has given us. Can you imagine how much we would have missed out on had we not obeyed God's call? And I just want to challenge you young people especially, find God's will. Find a place of service where maybe there's no one doing anything and do something for God and trust him. And it will be a great ride, I promise you. It's a wonderful blessing to serve God, and I trust that he will give each of you the joy that I've had to see God work through his word as it is given out. God bless you. Thank you.